Good morning, Liz. How are you? Hello, Jay. How's it going? Happy Wednesday. Happy, Happy Wednesday we before the election. <laughs> Happy Wednesday before the election. It, it both can't come fast enough, and I don't think I'll be able to sleep between now and then. And then I don't know if we'll be able to sleep Tuesday night next week. I, I don't know. Uh, do you know? <laughs> There's a lot of unknowns. Yes. I do know that I'm nervous. I can yeah. tell you that much. Uh, I I am nervous too, and I've been hinting through Business of Cannabis stuff that it will be a seminal election for the speed in which cannabis is accepted in the U.S. Am I right? You are right, and that is a wonderful preview to what we're going to talk about today. Really? Yes. Oh, right on. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I figured since I can't think about anything else, I'm sure many of us are in the same boat. We might as well talk about it today. Let's do it. All are right. you ready? Yeah, let's get it going. Great. All right, like I said, uh, 2020 US elections. Let's take a little bit of a dive in. Uh, I don't think there's uh, anybody in the US or Canada who isn't hyper-focused here these days. Uh, while there are a lot of unknowns, of course, in the election as a whole, um, and as I mentioned, I think I'm probably not the only one who's quite nervous uh, to see the overall outcomes. Um, in general, there's pretty darn good news for cannabis. Uh, before we even dive into the specific um, initiatives and, and specific details, you know, just in general, support for legalization has really grown in the U.S. in recent years. Uh, the BDSA trending consumer research does show that nearly 85% of adults in the U.S. now agree with at least some form of legalization. And um, that's a pretty united opinion. And today, today I'll take just about anything uh, that's united, and especially if it has to do with cannabis. So it's a pretty big win. Like it's surprising, eighty-three uh, percent of the people agree on any one correct. single thing. Yeah, <laughs> correct. It's hard to imagine, but there are there are many things I think that we all agree on, and luckily for us, cannabis uh, by and large part is one of them. Um, and, you know, even more interesting, as you dig further into that consumer research, Jay, um, legalization is no longer really a partisan issue. We started to see this uh, as far back as 2016, and I've certainly watched this trend increase. Um, so although conservative-leaning adults are more likely to oppose legalization, uh, the majority of conservatives do still agree with at least some form of legalization. Um, certainly do see stronger support from both Democratic and independent voters. Um, and we're also still seeing the breaks by generation, uh, which fall probably just about as you'd expect with the younger voters more likely to su be supportive of cannabis legalization. So what that means for the US in 2020 um, and looking into 2021, uh, for those of you who followed the Cannabis and Tech Conference might have heard us talk about our top five trends for 2021. And we did call out a, um, a shift in, in momentum and a further acceleration of legalization initiatives as a trend through the end of 2020 and into 2021. Um, so, you know, thinking all the way back six, six months, although it feels like six years ago, uh, talking about COVID and some of those political factors earlier in the year, you know, it's worth remembering that that did slow down a few planned legalization efforts for the U.S. Uh, states like Ohio, Nebraska, Oklahoma, New York, just to name a few, uh, that either delayed or scrapped legalization efforts in 2020. Uh, we still do have some pretty significant 
um, states up for election and so some good stuff on the ballot. So um, when we're talking about adult use, of course, it's all about Montana, Arizona, New Jersey, and South Dakota. Um, and that is for 21 plus in the U.S. So, you know, of course, uh, a big difference between the U.S. and Canada, where in Canada there's uh, a little bit of a variety between the, the legal age of consumption. Of course, here in the U.S., it goes right along with the um, legal age of alcohol consumption at 21 plus across the board. Uh, in addition to the adult use states, um, of course, South Dakota and Mississippi also on the ballot for medical programs as well. Um, so if all four of those adult use initiatives pass, that's gonna bring the total number of adult use, so fully legal states, to 14, um, in addition to the District of Columbia, which means that more than a third of US adults are gonna be living in fully legal uh, cannabis states in, by 2021. Uh, even further, if we see South Dakota and Mississippi legalize those medical programs, uh, that's going to be about 42 states, or up to 42 states, plus the District of Columbia again, uh, that will have some sort of medical cannabis access. Of course, very, very widely differing degrees, uh, but that does represent almost three quarters, um, over 70% of the U.S. adult population being in areas that are in states that do have at least some sort of medical cannabis access. Uh, so... You know, we do get a lot of interest and a lot of questions this year um, and as well as years forward about when we're actually going to finally see federal legalization in the U.S. Uh, of course, this is especially a hot topic for Canadian companies who are either looking to legally do business in and with the U.S. Um, and or uh, looking at U.S. partners. Um, there's a common saying, and Jay, you probably remember and maybe have even used this saying in U.S. politics uh, that I, I most recently saw it come from Steve Hawkins, who's the executive director for Marijuana Policy Project, uh, which is change doesn't come from Washington, but to Washington. <laughs> uh, and I think that the, the trends that we've seen with cannabis legalization could not illustrate that point any better. Um, so while BDA, BDSA's official prediction um, is that federal adult use legalization will happen by 2022, uh, but regardless, adult use states are going to continue to open up on a state-by-state -state basis, um, and that's really what's going to drive momentum um, over the next few years. Amen. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so... Going state by state, I thought this might be kind of fun. And Jay, you can uh, you can poke me on this next week um, sure. after PSD subsides, <laughs> and see what my track record is. But well, we're going to make some some general predictions state by state. Okay. Uh, so start with New Jersey uh, because that's frankly one of the easier ones. Uh, we think this is highly likely to pass. Yep. Um, I'd actually be be surprised to see this particular initiative fail. Um, and of course, really big implications for the rest of the East Coast and thus the rest of the U.S. as a whole, as the dominoes start to fall there on the East Coast. Shout out to our friends at the NJCIA. Absolutely. <laughs> um, Arizona next. This one's a little tricky. Um, nothing is certain in today's political climate. Um, and Arizona is uh, pretty complex, as, as always. Uh, BDSA does see a good likelihood of Arizona passing this time around. Um, after that narrow defeat and kind of a little bit of heartbreak in 2016, um, the polls, as we're all probably watching them very closely, do show it could be very close. 
Um, I think it's likely going to fall in line. Jay, interested to hear your opinion on this. I think it's likely going to fall in line with the direction the state goes on the presidential ticket. Uh, so if we see um, Trump versus Biden winning, um, I think that'll be a decent indicator of where this is going to fall overall. Plus, they have um, an astronaut on the ballot on the Democratic side for the Senate. So <laughs> I, I'm going to I'm going to I have faith in Arizona for now. Good. Me too. Yeah. yeah, we're going to be, I think Arizona is the one I'll be watching the closest uh, come Tuesday night, uh, but, but really rooting for them to, to pass it this time around and, and have a lot, of, a lot of conviction that that's going to happen. Looking at Montana, um, you know, another kind of interesting one. Uh, this one's looking pretty, pretty confident as well. Uh, so most recent polls I saw show uh, close to 50% support and about 40% against, and then there's that 10% undecided or swing vote. Um, so again, BDSA predicting a yes here. Uh, so pretty good track record, hoping to have um, all three coming pretty good, through. Li- pretty good libertarian bent up there. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I think as with many contests this year, the younger vote turnout is also going to be important in Montana. So that's one of the things I'll be paying attention to um, early on. And then that brings us to South Dakota. <laughs> Pretty interesting one, of course, really unique situation there. Uh, conservative state um, and also the first to put both medical and adult use on the ballot at the same time. Uh, so in some ways, you know, I think it's really interesting and the fact that it's just the fact that it's on the ballot in South Dakota, I think speaks a lot of the, the trends we've been talking about over the past few years in this acceleration of acceptance of cannabis. Um, so speeding up that typical growth pattern of medical to adult use um, and also sort of signifying the dropping of the red wall um, around cannabis um, and again, kind of furthering evidence that cannabis is no longer really a partisan um, issue. That being said, uh, we do predict that both medical and rec is going to pass, although I think rec is going to be pretty close. Uh, But again, liking to look at the glass half full here um, and and be very bullish on seeing uh, four for four with the adult use states. And um, of course, that brings us to Mississippi, good old Mississippi. Um, So it's a bit confusing here, I think, with two separate initiatives on the ballot. Um, But we do expect that Mississippi is going to legalize a medical program um, in 2020. So, you know, kind of a long way of saying we're we're pretty bullish um, and expecting to see a clean sweep of the, uh, the ballot initiative state by state. Although admittedly, I do think Arizona and the adult use South Dakota um, are going to be a little closer, probably than some of the others. Well, this is these are the only this is the only election I'm watching these uh, these five or six. I'm not even watching the presidential one. This is the really important one. I like it, and I couldn't agree more. <laughs> so, and I know we've talked about this before, Jay. When we look ahead to 2021, you know, BDSA does anticipate up to seven additional states to move forward with medical programs and up to six more moving forward with adult use programs. And taking a look at what that means year by year in terms of these programs coming online. Uh, So keep in mind, it can take anywhere from if you're Illinois, only about six months to initiate adult use, or if you're someone 
uh, like Maine or Massachusetts, which isn't on this list because luckily they we got that pulled through up to about three years uh, to get the uh, the medical prior, excuse me, the, the sales actually moving through the state. Um, but regardless, uh, it's clear to see that federal federal legalization notwithstanding, you know, states are really marching ahead with their programs and we expect to see pretty big things in the next couple of years in terms of growth for the industry. Um, and that does play out in our market forecast as well. Of course, 2020 on track to be about a $16 billion market in the US for the regulated cannabis market. Um, and then you fast forward and you think about 2025, it's growing to about a 34, almost $35 billion market. Um, another thing I think is important to remind folks, and Jay, I know we've talked about this, I think as recently as last week even, uh, how important medical markets remain in the U.S., uh, even as we've put so much focus on adult use um, and really seeing um, sales exploding market by market when that adult use comes online. But important to remember that even by 2025, about 30% of legal spending in the U.S. is going to still come from medical markets. Mm. And a lot of that has to do, again, with uh, that dynamic that we typically see in states where medical opens um, in advance of adult use. Although, of course, South Dakota uh, might be our uh, unlikely uh, canary in a coal mine, uh, showing that that trend could be starting to starting to shift in the next couple of years here. Uh, another interesting call out to think about sort of current versus future state for the US as we move through these rounds of legalization. So top five markets in 2020 for the US are California, Colorado, Florida, Washington, and Arizona. You fast forward to 2025, um, it looks pretty similar, frankly. California, Colorado, Florida, Illinois creeping in to that number four spot, um, and then Arizona, of course, staying steady there at number five. So I wanna just take a real quick close look at a few of these key markets, just a couple interesting facts. Um, so starting with Arizona, as I mentioned, um, potentially close one, but really optimistic um, on this one. And especially as Arizona citizens have had those four past four years really get more comfortable uh, with cannabis and cannabis legalization. Um, according to BDSA's 2020 consumer research or our most recent rounds, Looking at adults 21 plus, you know, we often talk, Ray, uh, Jay, about consumers versus acceptors versus receptor, or rejectors. Um, so pretty interesting to see in Arizona as a medical market, about 28% of the adults 21 plus population are consumers, 43% are acceptors, and 29% are, are, are rejectors. Um, so hearing that 43% of acceptors, uh, whereas you compare that to say Colorado, where 42% of the adults 21 plus are consumers, um, certainly see how that um, sort of that, uh, that opportunity is starting to materialize and just really ready to, to break free um, as we move into a legal market. A uh, couple other interesting things about Arizona. So Arizona currently represents um, about 8% of the U.S. legal cannabis spending and at about $1 billion for 2020 is our forecast. Uh, by 2025, we're expecting to see that grow to about $1.6 billion between both the medical and the adult use markets. It's going to account for about 5% of the total market at that time, um, as more and more markets come online um, and start to dilute share uh, for, for those top markets. Uh, it is currently, as we saw on the slide before, the fifth largest US market, and we're forecasting it to retain that rank 
um, even though it loses a little bit of share um, in the next five years. New Jersey, um, our good friends in New Jersey, uh, as we said, very, very likely to pass, um, also representing a significant opportunity, um, even setting aside the opportunity of uh, tapping into consumers from other states who could potentially look at cannabis tourism um, as, as the state comes legal. Uh, but even just thinking about the New Jersey consumer set, so similar to Arizona, we're seeing 21% consumers about 43% acceptors and 36% rejectors um, in the current uh, makeup of the state. So another significant opportunity there was we look at that 43% acceptance rate or acceptor rate. Um, right now, New Jersey is about 1% of legal cannabis spending. Um, so that's about $170 million market with medical sales only. Uh, forecast to significantly grow um, and to reach almost 4% of the legal spending by 2025 uh, with over uh, 1.2 billion in sales. Yowza. It is forecast to be the 12th largest market in 2025 in the U.S. Yeah. Um, okay, so switching gears just a little bit for these last two. These are two that are not actually on the ballot, but I think they're worth calling out. Uh, because we do believe that they're going to be significant players in 2021. Of course, New York being one of them, uh, really looking positive to get, uh, to get cannabis legalization passed through the budget in 2021, seeing a lot of um, promises being made there and commitments to making that happen. Like the governor uh, said, April, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, um, you know, we were we were pretty bullish on that happening in 2020, of course, before COVID. Um, so so really looking positive. And I think that the legalization uh, with New Jersey, as, that, as we said, is expected to happen, uh, will really help to push this over the finish line in 2021. Um, very, very similar consumer makeup in New York to New Jersey. Maybe surprising, maybe not. Uh, but 22% consumers, 43% acceptors, and 36% rejectors. Uh, New York currently represents less than 1% of U.S. legal cannabis spending. Uh, emphasis on the legal there. Right. <laughs> uh, um, and there, the share is forecast to grow pretty significantly to about 5% by 2025. Um, it is forecast to be the sixth largest U.S. market by 2025. Um, at about 1.6 billion. Last but not least, uh, certainly have been hearing a lot in the news about Pennsylvania. Uh, big push by the governor, of course, to, uh, to legalize cannabis and, and help, um, help with some of their budget deficits. Um, some interesting proposals and compromise being discussed here, Jay, and in a lot of ways, uh, some of those options uh, look a lot like what we see up in some of the provinces in Canada uh, with sales potentially coming through state liquor stores being uh, being regulated through through those bodies. So it'd be really interesting to see how that continues to evolve uh, that push pull between the legislator and, uh, legislative and, and executive branch in the state. Uh, but right now, Pennsylvania, a uh, pretty solid market, currently represents a little over 2% of U.S. legal spending and is forecast to grow to about 3% by 2025. Um, it is forecast to be the 14th largest market in 2025 um, at about $1.2 billion. 
So, of course, it's not all about THC products in the U.S. Um, and those of you who have watched several of our uh, of our discussions have probably seen this slide several times before, but I think it's worth looking at again and certainly good to put things into context. While the regulated market uh, does continue to hold the largest overall total share of the cannabinoid space for the U.S. Um, by 2025, you know, 30 billion coming from um, high THC products in licensed dispensaries and another 5 billion coming from other cannabinoids, uh, primarily CBD, but also as we've discussed um, and as, as we've seen um, some other cannabinoids coming in to fill in that space as well. Uh, but of course the hemp-based CBD products um, and the pharmaceuticals cannot be discounted in the U.S., providing another 13 billion and um, over 2 billion respectively to get us to a full addressable market for cannabinoids of um, over 50 billion by 2025. Um, of course, the key here uh, for the general markets is going to be uh, further evolution and further clarification from the FDA um, as, we, um, as we look to see that general retail channel continue to grow. So 2020 certainly has been a pivotal year, uh, you know, really both within cannabis and outside. But ultimately, uh, we feel very, very uh, optimistic that the future is bright for those of us in the cannabis space. And I can certainly speak for everyone else here at Team BDSA to say how much we're looking forward to, uh, to really standing side by side with the industry, uh, with both our clients and, uh, and the rest of the industry as we uh, face the, uh, the opportunities and challenges that start to come ahead in 2021. Um, and certainly think that as far as cannabis is concerned, a lot more opportunities uh, are, are on, the, on the pathway there. I like that there's something else to think about besides the presidential election between now and election day, Liz. Thank you for doing that. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it, it does strike me, and, and you went through, um, you know, by near or dear to my heart, the Northeast, right? So, uh, you know, you, you think about where Massachusetts has been and is now and is going. Maine just came online, uh, but even sort of a little bit further west, New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania. It's a pretty, you know, those things taken independently, they're all pretty sizable markets. Uh, taken together, it will be um, like a center of gravity unto itself, uh, which is a challenge because this, you know, between and among states, it's not. Uh, sort of nobody moves product between between the states, but the idea that they could or might, or there may be leeway between those states, you know, eschewing, uh, saying F you to DC and saying, we're going to do whatever we want because we think there's money in it. And it may be better to grow cannabis in, uh, and hemp for sure. Um, in upstate New York, but we also want to be able to sell it in New Jersey. Like there's so many interesting fallouts, I think, from this. And I think there is a race and you mentioned it actually with regards to South Dakota as well. Like there's now a race not to be last because you look at a billion dollars in sales, you look at the tax associated with that and the jobs that it creates, all of a sudden it's like now a race. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I think it's to your point, it's not even just a race state by state, but it starts to get interesting to think about it region by region. Um, and as we look forward to some of these, you know, bigger federal initiatives, and, and hopefully we'll start to see some of those coming through and being addressed uh, through Washington, even though um, I do very firmly believe that change does not come from Washington, well, we might have to drag them kicking and screaming over the line. 
but but we might start to see some really interesting uh, some interesting opportunities and, and differences in policy arising as we think about interstate commerce and as we think about uh, the FDA's legalization of hemp-based and what that means for um, dispensaries, where in many states it's still uh, not um, not a situation where you have both THC and hemp-based products being sold through the same retail outlet, which of course is different than we see up in Canada. Um, so what these what these large and small changes might do to uh, the competitive landscape, I think, is going to be really interesting to keep an eye on, um, yep. not just in 2021, but as we, as we move into 2022 as well. Yeah. Well, uh, with any, uh, hopefully it's not luck, there'll be lots of change coming, uh, both to DC and actually some of these states as well, as well as sort of implementation of what people wanted on the ballot. And we will be sure to check in with you on all of that. Post-election, take Post a deep breath. Deep breath. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but now we actually have something really uh Interesting to watch as we head into the presidential election, which is the top of the ticket. But as we get uh, into all the details, as we constantly refresh uh, next Tuesday night. Um, so thank you, Liz, for giving us that. And uh, we look forward to talking all the ramifications post-election. Absolutely. Thanks, Jay. Thanks.